Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 268 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're talking about feeding our families today, which in in normal years, we like to revisit this topic. What do you think? Two or three times a year? There's so much to talk about. Yeah, there is. It changes so much. I mean, it changes for me several times throughout the year, and it has the entire time I've been a mom. I feel like this is always evolving. And, you know, right now we are in uncertain times, so things have been even weirder. Yes, we are. And that is so true. Um, But you're right. Even in normal times, um, it's something that I think everybody loves to listen to, too. We all like to hear about how other moms are feeding their families and pandemic parenting and pandemic feeding our families is no different. Um, So I was thinking about this. We're recording this July 1st and you all will hear it in early July. Um, Going back all the way to March, we actually did at the beginning of the pandemic um, do a couple of food episodes. You interviewed Stacy from the Didn't I Just Feed You podcast about like stocking your pantry and using what you have. Do you remember that? It was like it really like when like it was hard to even get to a grocery store for most people. Right. It was very much like boots on the ground. How are we going to manage this? Yeah. Yeah. And then we also did a week of real life dinners. Um, I I, want to say like a month in three or four weeks in where we actually talked about what we were feeding our families during, you know, during that really big stay at home period. But now we're, we're several months in things have continued to change and evolve. Um, so I thought this would be interesting to talk about and then really to expand this to not just 2020 and COVID-19, but (laughs) There are other times in motherhood and family life where you're feeding your family through some kind of major upheaval or transition. So um, we thought maybe we could kind of expand that a little bit and draw on past experience, having a new baby, moving, these other things, which, by the way, if you missed it, I am also moving in the next couple of weeks. So um, there's even more, more upheaval in my kitchen. So, yeah, so lots to talk about. I think it's funny how like now the country is in some areas opening up a little bit. People maybe could 
like theoretically be getting out to get more takeout and restaurants. And it feels like now with people wearing masks, like the grocery store feels more accessible than it did. But it's like, you could argue that we're moving back towards something like normal, but it's like still nothing like the old normal. It's no. this new version. So um, yeah, so this is like, we are all in flux and maybe for some time. Yeah, I wonder too, if people, um, if the skills people acquired in the that first like few weeks have continued on, I'm thinking like baking bread or like making, yeah. you know, meals ahead. So it'll be an interesting social study for sure as this moves on. Yes, yeah, skills and habits, you know, we've yeah. changed a lot, so. Yeah. Um, well, before we totally dive in, I thought it would be fun to just throw out a bunch of examples of when we've had to feed our family through transitions or when things are in flux. And so now we're talking about not 2020 COVID-19, but what are some other times in your mom life that you've had to continue to put food on the table um, when things were in upheaval? Well, you mentioned moving and and new baby times, and those are definitely big ones. Um, Another one for me, and I was just talking with my sister about this yesterday. She asked me, if I ever use my instant pot anymore, I don't have the instant pot brand, but like a, you know, a knockoff brand. And I said, I used it really intensely when I had a full-time job outside the home and literally have not used it since I returned to working from home. So it's just funny how things like that can change everything about the way you, um, about the way you cook. If you are working past or up right up until the dinner hour, then that means the way you prepare meals has to be different. Yeah. Um, during times that I've been in shows that I'm rehearsing for, like during the, you know, kind of intensive last couple of weeks of rehearsals, uh, that completely changes things. Uh, performances tend to be at the weekend. So it does change something. It's a little bit different, but tech week, dress rehearsal week, basically my kids just fend for themselves. <laughs> um, holidays, <laughs> holidays came to mind because you start here. There's more events and parties and your evenings get full. But also I find that the things I want to cook and the way I want to serve food changes, especially around like Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday. Um, a new one for me or a newer one for me, it's been happening now, I guess for the last six years is teenage kids getting jobs. Mm. William just started his first job today. And so I am into, I know he's working at Subway. I'm really like, he's so excited. And William's cousin, Jack, um, has been working there for about a month and is probably going to be training Will. Oh my gosh. So I I just think, this is like the cutest thing ever. They're going to be like SpongeBob and Squidward. I'm not sure which one is going to be which, but um, yeah, so that's going to change things because his job schedule, it's going to be all over the place and probably not that easy for me to have any control of. It's fast food. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, it'll, he'll be working evenings. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that has changed my, the way I feed my family is when I run out of steam. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most consistent one throughout time is just when mom has had it. And like just sputters to a stop. So that doesn't change. That doesn't ever go away. Depending, You do get better at dealing with it, but it never goes away. No. And throughout all of those times of flux, the the people have to eat. Yes. Um, A few more I thought of um, when my husband was traveling a ton for work. And I've told the story before, but, you know... when, when he traveled only once in a while, it was like, great, we'll, you know, go through the drive-thru. And then when he was traveling like four nights a week, I was like, well, we can't go through the drive-thru, you know, four nights right. a week. So every it, day you, yes. you have these periods where you're like, oh wait, something has to change. So that was one when my kids were really yeah. little, um, you know, busy sports and activity seasons. That hasn't been a huge thing for our family, but last fall we got super duper busy. We did an episode about that and that makes you plan ahead. It makes you do things differently or it makes you, you know, go to some convenience options just for a short season. Um, anytime there's like a dietary change in the family, we haven't personally mm. dealt with like allergies or 
anything, but I know a lot of families do, right? Someone um, has a gluten intolerance or, or just makes a health choice to be eating a certain way. And you are faced with choices of whether to, you know, get everyone on the same kind of eating plan or to start making accommodations for that person. And so I think that's a lot of things uh, or something that a lot of families face during different times. Yeah. Um, And there's a huge learning curve there too. It's like, you're not only changing the way you do things, but you have to learn new skills and that can be really tricky. Yeah. Um, and then just we're, we're recording this in the middle of summer, which it's not a normal summer, but I'm thinking back to when we do travel quite a bit, uh, in the summertime and feeding my family on the road is challenging. Um, but then also making use of like, you're always constantly cleaning out your fridge because you're about to go somewhere or you're coming home to an empty fridge. And it just feels like, again, now looking back, this feels like, um, like a problem I wish I had, but it was Definitely summertime and any any heavy travel season means that you you have to keep feeding the family, but it looks very different than the typical grocery shopping and meal planning that you would do. So someday, someday we'll have that problem again. Um, Well, I was going to ask, what what do you notice about yourself? And I can go first on this one yourself and your family's eating habits when things are in flux. I know for me. Um, there's some things that do happen to us and some things that don't. So we don't eat a lot of fast food and we don't even order pizza all that often. So I guess on that end, it feels like we do keep plugging away by putting food that we mostly cook on the table for the family. Um, and we don't, we don't usually fall into a, like a drive through or a fast food rut, but we do, or we used to, um, start going out to restaurants as soon as it was like, oh, I don't know what to make. Like, let's run out and let's mm. just, let's just eat at someplace that's family friendly. Um, so we would stay relatively healthy, but it's very expensive to do that. I will tell you. Um, and then what that looks like in 2020 is more DoorDash. And we're going to get into that um, in a little bit after the break of how things how things are looking now. But it, it gets very, very expensive. So that is one, I don't want to say bad habit or whatever, but it's one thing that the that's where the that we start to go off the rails first is spending quite a bit more money than we'd like on food for the family because we didn't make a plan or we don't have what we need. So, yeah. How about you? Um, I tended to gravitate toward all or nothing. So either I'm like fully on board, I'm meal planning, cooking, getting dinner, dinner on the table every night, or I just go completely off the rails and I don't do anything. Uh, so for me, it all starts with planning. So if I know what I'm going to cook, I have the ingredients on hand. And then I have that knowledge in the back of my head, not even knowledge, but just the understanding that making dinner is just something I'm going to do. And I don't think it's like a habit. I don't stop and think about it. It's, It's not, it's not a negotiable when it's like that then it just seems to happen. Yeah. Um, when, when one or more of those things fall away, like I don't have a plan, I don't know what I'm going to cook. I don't have the ingredients or I let myself slip into this idea that like making dinner is kind of like something I could do. That would be nice, but I don't have to. That's when it, that's when it just all falls apart. And that said, I mean, I do go off the rails. Um, Ask me how many times this week I've made dinner. No, don't, don't do that, please. (laughs) I do bounce back a lot quicker than I used to. And it's like muscle memory. You know, the more experience you have pulling together all the elements I just talked about, all those things that go into feeding a family, the more quickly you can kind of right the ship. And then maybe you're doing takeout three days in a row, but not like three weeks. Because if you don't have the knowledge or the muscle memory, it's really hard once you've hit that inertia. And like, once the ship is flipped, it's really hard to write it again. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, um, fast food and that's not something we've done much of at all in years, but I will say with teenagers in the house, they are very good at calling and ordering pizza and they have money. 
they have money. So like, I don't really argue with them often when they want to order pizza because it gets me off the hook and I'll just eat whatever. And then later I'm like, wait a second, how many days a week this week did the kids order pizza? Like we can't do that. So that that's what my falling off the wagon tends to look like now. It's just like the kids just keep, they're just getting what they want because they can. And, uh, and then I realize, wait, how many days has it been? Yeah. So, (laughs) well, I'm glad you brought up that kind of all or nothing thinking, because I think if you are a less experienced mom and you've held really tight to some of your food values and nutrition values in the first few years of parenting, it can feel like, oh my gosh, like now my kids eat chicken fingers and fries like three times a week. Like I've, who am I anymore? And it can be easy to, to go black and white thinking about that and kind of almost give up. And I have been guilty of this in the past. It's like, well, why even bother cutting up the carrots and the apples? Because it's like this week is all (laughs) gone, you know, to heck anyway. So I think the more, I I like that you said that you can bounce back and write the ship more quickly because you've just had more practice. Like, you know, that you'll get back to good habits. And I know that, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like my kids can eat chicken fingers and fries three nights a week and I can still cut up some fresh fruit and serve it. You know, like it doesn't. And you still gave them dinner. It still counts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals. And Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay. Well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. 
Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Sarah, I thought it would be fun since we've, like literally everybody listening to this has gone through some kind of shift over, you know, the past several months. There was like pre, you know, I'm calling it BP before pandemic. Then there was like during phase one is what I'm calling pandemic during the really intense safer at home um, period, like three months. And what that looked like, what that, especially what that transition looked like from before to during and, and then what it looks like now. And I know, you know, we always say when we do anything related to COVID um, that this is all in flux and in two months we could look back at this and go, oh, how naive we were, but we're not, I mean, this is not over by a long shot, but it's different right now. Things are just it's different. So I'm wondering, I'll, you go first. Yeah. Um, but what, what did that look like before, during, and, and whatever now is yeah. for you? Well, um, before I was shopping once a week or so at Trader Joe's, but we made lots of little trips to the grocery store, especially Brian, he'd run out to Whole Foods or to the other big box grocery store. We were probably at a grocery store three times a week and it, it didn't cramp our style at all. We meal planned, but we also kind of did stuff on the fly Um, We ate out quite a bit as a family. We were entering into a phase where that was actually fun for us and our kids. We'd go, you know, out to breakfast on the weekends. We ate in restaurants quite a bit. Um, So I don't know. Looking back, it's like I don't even know. It just was all so normal before it all changed. So we were in a pretty, pretty good groove. We did have last fall that busy time of kids activities in the evenings. But it just felt looking back, it, it all feels so normal. So Yeah. And then phase one, you know, is where it really, really changed. So the big things that changed for us, Brian um, started doing the grocery shopping instead of me. I think I was just kind of scared and nervous and it felt better to send him out in the world. In those early, early days, Um, we tried delivery a few times, um, you know, Amazon Fresh or other grocery delivery, and we just could not get a spot. It was, you couldn't get a spot. We tried one time picking something up and they didn't have anything. Like we really tried a few options, but what worked for us in the end was one grocery trip per week, sending Brian with a mask to Trader Joe's. And he would spend hundreds of dollars on food because (laughs) we weren't going out to restaurants anymore. And we were kind of in that accumulation phase. Like if they had flour, we'd get flour. And so we weren't, I don't think we were like hoarding or prepping at all, but it just felt like it was like became a joke because the first week that he spent 500 bucks or something, it was like, okay, that's understandable. And then when it just kept happening and like, it, it just was like, why do we still need all this food? But I think we were getting used to cooking at home all the time for five people and not going anywhere. So that was a big adjustment. Um, we do, we did still have butcher box for our meat and a CSA box every other week for some extra produce. And in the beginning, those were interrupted slightly, but they kept going and that, that has been good. Um, and then in terms of like, obviously we didn't go to restaurants, but we, tried DoorDash once early on and they no showed on us and our kids were like crying Uh, and it was so sad that we just did not. It was looking forward to it like so much. Yes. And, um, so we did not try food delivery or takeout for kind of like a, an embarrassingly long time. Like I remember asking my neighbor, like, have you been doing DoorDash? She's like, yeah, we do it all the time. It's fine. Like it works. And, but because we had the one really disappointing experience, I want to say it was five or six weeks before we did any kind of takeout. So we were really hunkered down in that phase one. Um, so that brings me to what it looks like now. Um, and as of this recording, we are moving two weeks from now. So things are going to get crazier before they get normal. Um, but things that, 
things that have sort of shifted a little bit. We still go to the grocery store once a week, but if we forget something or if Brian wants to run to a different store, something Trader Joe's doesn't have midweek, we don't, we don't think twice about it. I mean, we mask up and we're still, we still just send one person, but we don't feel that like, oh my gosh, no more than once a week. And I know many families were going every two or three weeks. Um, So that doesn't feel as big a deal. And then this just happened today. We needed a couple of things that weren't at Trader Joe's. And I thought, I'm just going to look at the delivery options for um, Amazon's Fresh, Amazon Fresh is what we use, like grocery delivery. And Mm -hmm. I got a same day spot, which probably has been available (laughs) for a while now. But again, things were so difficult in the early days. I just gave up and we just... I think that's that's the point is that we just did what we figured out worked. And then we kept doing that for like, however many weeks it's been 12 weeks or 14 weeks when really probably some of these things have been working for a while. So we got a same day delivery of Amazon fresh. We've done BevMo um, home delivery. So we do quite a bit of home delivery for groceries now or that kind of thing. And then we do a lot of DoorDash, which I'll get into later. But now we are friends of the, um, the dinner delivery. We're not afraid to do that. So how about you? Things really have changed a lot. It's making me laugh thinking about it. Um, Well, it's funny. Before the pandemic, I had gotten in a really nice routine with Shipt. It was extremely, which is the the, uh, grocery delivery service that I typically used Mm -hmm. around here. It's basically that or Instacart. And I tried Instacart once and didn't like it as much. Well, it was at Aldi and that's a long story, but it's, it's a very different experience doing delivery at Aldi because they only have certain things and they'd be out of a lot. And I found it to be a little cumbersome. So shift was like my go-to. I was on a weekly routine. I loved like, I just remember getting a real rush out of ordering groceries, like in the air on an airplane yeah. <laughs> and having my kids like you know, pick them up or whatever. Like, yes, it was magical. And my order was so, um, I had it so down to a science that I was basically like, no, I didn't even have to think about it. It would take me six minutes to do an order. And so it felt really good. And I just kind of had the same like six or seven meals in rotation. I would check to see what meats were on, on sale or what produce was on sale and maybe change it a little bit for that. But it was very, it was just very standardized. And it was just, it was a nice little routine. Uh, kids and I probably ate restaurant food maybe once or twice a month. And I ate it personally when they weren't here a lot. Yeah, like, you, you loved to go get a burger. Yep, a lot, a lot. So that was a big change. So during, I would say like the beginning phase one of the pandemic, um, I dropped ship much like you about a month, not even maybe a month in, maybe two weeks in, I had done a, some stocking up ahead of time. So I was kind of good on some staples, but then I went to, and not ahead of time, like pre pandemic. It's not like I had, you know, ESP or something, <laughs> yeah. but it was kind of when people were starting to keep an eye, like nobody was really talking about staying at home yet, but people were starting to keep an eye on what was happening in China and elsewhere. And I remember a friend telling me, you know, you might just want to get some toilet paper. You might yeah. just want to get like some extra pasta or something. And so I had done that like a couple of weeks before it was even really a thing. So my pantry was already pretty well stocked. And then I was just going to use my, my thought was I would just use shipped for like perishables. Yeah. Um, but then like, I just could never, and it wouldn't even be like, you couldn't get a spot for a week. You couldn't get a spot. Like you no, would go it, on and they yeah. would just say check back later. Yeah. Yeah. So I just dropped it and was shopping about every 10 days or so. And I was kind of on a rotation. So like I did Costco twice. I did Meyer, which is like our big box, local big box store, regional big, big box store. I did that maybe twice. Um, and then I would choose between the little local grocery stores based on what we were low on, my tolerance for shopping at the moment. And also like what I had observed about each store's 
busyness and kind of how they were handling COVID. Yeah. Um, not all did super well with like, it turns out there's a lot of people who can't follow arrows and, and <sighs> I, I'm not like judging them. If then it would stress me out because I'm like, I'm not supposed to get close to these people, but they're blocking up the aisle and they're yeah. going in the wrong direction. What am I supposed to do? So that got a little stressful. So I would choose the places that were not very busy. Um, we probably only did takeout maybe three times in three months. And I saved a lot of money uh-huh. and I, I lost a few pounds, honestly. I, I tend to eat a lot of French fries when I do um, restaurant food. Yeah. So another interesting kind of regional thing, since we talk about that a lot on this show, yeah. is that I would say prior to pandemic, nobody around here talked about DoorDash or any of those. Like it, Uber Eats, I mean, I know they exist and maybe... It was more of a younger person's thing, but people just went out to eat. Yeah. Like if you wanted to go, you just went out or you'd go to the restaurant, pick up the food and bring it home. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to see which restaurants around here, because I know the idea, I think with DoorDash is you can have, you could send them anywhere, right? Like they yeah, basically I, just become your food go between. Yeah. But the the restaurants still have to be loaded into DoorDash because the menu you Got order it. from is in the DoorDash app. So Got it. And I okay. haven't used Uber Eats or Grubhub. So I only can speak for DoorDash, but you do place your order within DoorDash. So if a, so, for example, a restaurant might choose to only have certain items available on their DoorDash menu if they don't work well for transport or whatever. Yeah. Right. OK. All right. Well, that makes sense. So when I was trying to decide how to do, I think I probably had takeout twice and delivery maybe twice, like in that entire period. And that's a maybe like that yeah. might be being generous. Um but I had heard like a lot of the restaurants around here were kind of setting up their own sort of homespun um, checkout systems. And a lot of them were asking people not to use DoorDash and okay. Uber Eats and Grubhub because apparently the like payout is terrible. Yeah. I, so, I mean, like, I've they, wondered they that. They take yeah. so much money. Yeah. So like I was like, oh, OK, well, then I guess I'll just do it. I'll just order directly. And the problem with that is, you know, a lot of these a lot of the restaurants weren't used to doing delivery at all, or even really a lot of takeout. So they were very janky systems. So I think I just kind of like I was trying for a while and then I'd feel like I had to leave a really big tip. So I think I just, I really limited it. I I want to, I wanted to support them, but I was also like, I can't have all my money going to this. And you realize a lot about what food makes, like does well with delivery and what doesn't. Um, So I think there was a lot of learning happening uh, on both the con- the consumer and the restaurants on that parts note, around here. On that yeah. note, can we just discuss French fries? Can we have just a small just G tour into like fr- Yes. I mean, there's no way and you you and I both love French fries. And we've talked about yeah. how like room service French fries don't really work. There's no way to eat French fries that's delicious except like right as they are Piping served hot. to you. And even if yes. yeah, you might have to let them cool down on your plate, but you can't cover them. You can't put them in a container with a lid can't put them in a car. Like, it's just so disappointing. Yeah. I guess we've done, I did pick up, we were in Santa Barbara for a couple of weeks and we picked up burgers and fries from an amazing little tiny local burger place. And I guess because I went up to the window with my mask and just grabbed it. And then I was so, I, they had put the napkins on top of the fry bags and I was like, no, 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 like, like you, no. Can't, you cannot steam yeah. the fries. So, but other than that, I don't think I've had like crispy, really fresh French fries in, oh, this is the, this is like the biggest, you know, first world problem. But I, I don't know, like, when will we eat French fries again, Megan? Well, I mean, you could just go do exactly what you just described. I, know. I just haven't. Go grab them and yeah. take them on a patio and stuff them in your face. Um, the other thing I would do if they were delivered in a bag and not like you said, 
covered up. Yeah. Because that's just, that's just bad food service. Like anybody who puts fry, like I'm picturing like steak fries in a plastic clamshell container that just becomes steamed steak fries. The best places are the dive, the dive bars that Mm -hmm. bring them to you in a paper sack. And then you can, you know, sometimes I live, there's a restaurant around here that you've been to, or it's not, it's calling it a restaurant is a bit of a generous um, bit of a stretch, but it's a dive bar and they do really good burgers and fries and they can be to my house in three minutes. So there were, that was at least one of the times I got that. And that was, that was like heavenly. Um, but other times I have put them back in the oven on a cookie sheet Uh and put them at like 425, and it does bring back some of the crispiness if they haven't had it all steamed out of them. Yeah. So it's still a crapshoot. yeah, there's, there's many things to miss. Okay. So now, now that we're in whatever this is, um, once again, I'm shopping differently. I don't know why, but I never went to Aldi one time in the three months after the pandemic, like kicked off. It really wasn't until like life again is not normal here, but restaurants are open now and things like that. And it really was recently that I started going again. And I don't, I love Aldi. I think I was just a little worried that, cause it's like a very specific shopping experience. You kind of have to, you start at the start and you, you got to go around like, you know, it's just, it's not really a good way to wind back. And I got nervous about being kind of crowded in. And then there's the whole bringing your own bags thing. I was like, how is that going to work? And I just think my brain couldn't process it. And yeah. so I never went there, even though that would have been a great place to stock up on pantry stuff. I just didn't, but now I'm doing that again. Another okay. thing that changed, um, this was actually started about eight weeks in when the meat prices suddenly skyrocketed, yeah. uh, at least around here, they suddenly like, I'm talking like a pound of ground beef was like six bucks. And I was like, what? So I started going to um, a local meat market that has like local pasteurized, grass fed, like all kinds nice. of good meat that they get from local meat providers. And it's a really tiny little shop. You just go in and pick your stuff. You can be in and out in like seven minutes. The prices for what you're getting, the quality and like how the animals are raised are is good. Yeah. Um, had started to honestly be competitive with the grocery stores and like, you know, factory meat. So that was something I've done now twice. And honestly, I spent like 300 bucks on meat both times. But that lasts me like a month. Yeah. So yeah, that's been, and they have like really good sausages and just interesting stuff that I might not be able to find at the grocery store. So that's just kind of like interesting how I'm now suddenly adding two completely new places in that I wasn't at all that weren't on my radar yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, again, not relying on takeout very much. I don't, I mean, in general, my amount of restaurant food consumed is still way down. I have been to a restaurant sitting on the patio a couple of times, um, you know, like probably five times in total over the last month. I find the sticker shock extremely difficult to take mm. now. Like I get the bill and I'm like, wow, did I always pay this much for, yeah. you know, a like, sandwich or was it, was it enjoyable to that dollar amount to yeah. that dollar amount? And I know a lot of restaurants are having to up their prices. Like they have to, now they have yeah. supply chain issues and I want to tip really generously. So I just think it's going to be what it should have always been for, you know, like if you remember back to when we were kids, like middle-class families didn't eat out all the time. Right. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic of the 21st century that we eat out as mm-hmm. much as we do. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not as supportable as it seemed yeah. for a while. Um, I'm finally starting to eat food from my garden, Yay. which I started from seed, like, I don't know, maybe a month in That's amazing. to the staying, staying at home. So I've been eating a lot of arugula. I've been eating, um, a lot of herbs. Um, the Swiss chard's almost ready to go. 
I should have tomatoes and beans soon. And I'm putting in squash and cucumbers this week. I really should have done them like two weeks ago, but it's been really hot and I haven't gotten around to it. So hopefully they'll do okay. And then finally, um, July is, we have a really late sunset in July, like mm-hmm. almost 10 o'clock before it's dark here. The sun doesn't go down until 930 or later. Wow. So we tend to push everything back. Um, mm-hmm. Dinners are late. So right, we're right on the cusp of a time zone change. Yeah. So if you were 20 minutes um, west of here, you'd be in central time zone. Yeah. So I think that just means we get, we just get more sun and we yeah. get it late. So dinners are late. They tend to be more grab and go. We're relying more on things like sandwiches and meals I make ahead of time and then reheat and just kind of keep them in the fridge and everyone can grab as they want. Um, I did introduce a few new staple meals into the rotation as Owen calls it. That's always like the highest form of praise from him. If he eats something and goes, mom, would you please put this in the rotation? Oh, I love that. So <laughs> I know. So I've added a few things like barbecue pork is one and um, a couple other things, but I have honestly been slipping on meal planning lately. The weather has been awesome. We've been hanging out by the pool and outside and doing lots of walks and stuff. And I just have not really felt like it for the last week or so. So yeah. looking forward to getting back into the, I don't know, back into the groove of things. Back into something, you know, I back think into it's something, whatever it is. I think it's yeah. helpful to think of, um, these like, you know, I, I don't know, 10, eight, 10 weeks always feels to me like the amount of time I can sustain anything. I mean, any kind of schedule yes. or structure, if you think of like, um, you know, the length of time that your kids go to like, uh, an after school sport or activity, like 10, eight, 10, 12 weeks yeah. is sort of this like, block of time. And then it feels like schedules change anyway. And then that's normal life, but COVID life, it does feel like we're already after eight, 10, 12 weeks for some kind of shift. So, yeah. Yeah. And like I mentioned, probably my number one biggest transition that has been with me is when mom runs out of steam and, and mom runs out of steam. And now I think I've learned to see the days that I just throw up my hands and do nothing. Like they're a necessary reset. Yes. agreed. Um, Cause I know I want to get back to something, but it's probably not going to be what it was. Yes. And that's cool. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so this is high on my mind right now. These tips we're going to get into for feeding your family when things are in flux, because as of this recording, um, I am like two weeks away from a move. If you missed that announcement, the last couple of episodes had to do with moving and my family and I are moving from Orange County to my hometown of Santa Barbara. Um, we are recording this from Orange County now. So now it's like I'm in my I'm in the old and looking ahead to the new. Right. Um, so all of these tips are kind of for like the intense period of flux. So think like new baby moving, like, you know, there's no chance of you getting a regular meal plan executed because something's up in the air. So I'll just toss out a few tips here. Um, And one very simple one is that going to paper plates only for a limited season Mm -hmm. of time um, can be so freeing. And first of all, you got to get some really good paper plates because I have no, I have no yeah, judgment. They cannot be the cheapest. No, <laughs> I have no judgment against paper plates, but I have found myself in times where paper plates would be a great idea and I don't have them or I have the little party ones that we seem to have after like every birthday gathering. So get a big pack of really sturdy paper plates and just declare it paper plate or paper cup season. You can do like the red solo cups for kids and write their names on it in Sharpie like you would at a barbecue or something. And you can just declare it to be so. So I plan on doing that for, I don't know, probably the week leading up to the move and at least the week after, um, and then just lose the guilt about it because you're not going to do it forever and the earth will be okay for a little bit. I love that. And I just want to add really quick that I will sometimes have a night just like, even if I'm not in a big season where things are crazy and I'll just go pull out all like the one or two plates leftovers Mm -hmm. from parties and like picnics and I'll just use all of them and they never match. And I think it's hilarious. Like something about that to me is just like a big throwing my hands up in the air going, whatever. It's like, so it's very satisfying too. If you like to use And then you use something all the way up, which I know you love to do and you get rid of some clutter in your, in your pantry. And yeah. So sometimes you can also just do it for a day. Yes. Well, we've been, we've started doing that with napkins already. Like there's birthday napkins, there's new year's napkins. Um, and we're usually a cloth napkin family, you know, in regular life. Yeah. Um, but I need to get some paper plates because I am ready to make that switch. Um, so my next tip is to pick one or maybe maybe it's one or two for you food value and let the rest go. So we've done episodes on what we call kind of food values in our family, like things in our family culture that are important to us. Um And I think in times of flux, when you completely let go of everything, it doesn't feel so good, right? You feel kind of a loss of control. But if you try to hold on to everything and do everything exactly the way you you like to do it in normal life, that can just be a losing battle. So a couple of examples I thought of, like if it's really important to you that 
everyone is sitting around the same table for the nightly meal and that's the one you want to stick to, then think of the things you might want to let go of. It might be regular plates for paper plates. It might be more takeout. It might be not worrying if the kids want peanut butter and jelly and the grownups are eating something else. Like you can let go of other, other values and other standards and, and hold on to that one, that core one, or on the other end of the spectrum, the nutrition piece and the everyone eating the same balanced meal and eating from the same meal plan is maybe more important to you. But then maybe you can feed the kids earlier so that you and your spouse can have a quiet dinner later. Or maybe you let go of where where they eat and they're allowed to go out in the backyard with their paper plates or whatever. So um, I think it's worth looking at what are our food values. And we can link up the episodes we've done where we've talked about our food values and then just kind of pick one and let the rest go. I think that's a great way to both be anchored during a time of flux, but also just give your give yourself permission to take a break some, from some of those other standards you've set for yourself. Yeah, I love that. And I and I feel like we covered this in a lot of detail about how this plays out for us in the episode we did about our family's food values. I can't remember exactly when that was, but I feel like I remember us going into this, like if sitting at the table is really important to you, yeah. do that, but don't worry about what you're eating because yeah. it all, it still counts. Yes. And that's, I think sometimes like I feel like if, if uh, it's all going to be okay is our number one motto on this show. Um, it still counts would be the second yeah. <laughs> because like, it doesn't have to be perfect to still count. Yeah. Yeah. You still did the thing. You still mommed, right? No, you, you still did. And I'm actually kind of getting a kick out of myself watching myself uh, loosen up about certain things. And that's funny is my kids are old enough that they are totally aware. So I have been a whole wheat and like whole wheat bread person my entire life. And I have no judgment in either direction, but I've just always bought whole wheat bread and usually whole wheat bagels. Um, and somewhere along the line, we just, I just buy white bread all the time now, but white bagels, white, like the fluffy white sandwich bread. Yes. And, and the kids kind of tease me about it. And, um, you know, things like the pe- we were peanut butter with like the pretty natural peanut butter. It was just Costco. Yeah. It wasn't like expensive, fancy, but it didn't have added sugar. That's the main thing that, that makes peanut butter taste really good is added sugar. And I joked with the kids that when we go through everything we have in the pantry, I'm switching to Skippy. Like it's just, who cares? I'm throwing up my hands. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. So my kids, you know, eat white bread, Skippy peanut butter sandwiches. And if your kids have been doing that all along, like this isn't about like, like my thing doesn't have to be your thing, but I'm just, I get a kick out of watching us decide which hills we're going to die on. And this is well before the move. This is just like, well, yeah. is it, do I care? Do I care that much? And clearly I don't when it comes to white bread and a few other things. So I will say that that is usually a sign that I have moved from like, I've got it all together mom mode to, I just want to make the kids happy yes, mom mode, which yes. are two different modes that we can get into. Right. Um, when it goes, when my bread basket is full of like some kind of white bread, I have a hard time buying white bread. I don't know why. Like I just like, it almost hurts me to put it in my cart. (laughs) Um, but I've gotten over that. I, you know, I, I get over it in phases and for us, it's Jif. Yeah. It's Jif peanut butter, which I will eat out of the jar with a spoon when I'm in. Oh, and bologna. I will buy bologna, like real, like not even like good lunch meat, like yeah. Bologna and they could like, Oh, mom's in a bologna kick yeah. right now. I think there it's are delicious. some, there are some Cheetos <laughs> floating around at some point, like just things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pick your, pick your things you want to stick to and let the rest go. And then maybe just have a sense of humor about it, I guess. Um, so another tip, and I, this is, I am learning this over and over and over again, and I still haven't really learned it, but menu plans are not for when you have your, you know, what together menu plans serve you best when you don't have your life together. Right. So a menu plan becomes even more key in times of flux, but the things that go on the menu plan should be 
dead easy for you. That's the difference. And and I have always kind of confused those two things as I'm going to make a menu plan when I've got five wonderful, you know, nights to cook and a fridge full of fresh food and I'm just going to nail it. But really what your menu plan in times of flux might say leftovers, takeout, you know, fend for yourself night, but at least you know what's on there. And so that right. that's just a reminder to myself that um, the menu plan doesn't go away in times of flux. It just it just changes and you make it easy on yourself. And and I'll add just from a parenting perspective that kids do well when they can look up at the whiteboard or the chalkboard or ask what's for dinner and you have an answer. Um, I think it, yes, it keeps us agreed. a little healthier and it keeps us from spending too much money because as soon as they and this we have seen this in the pandemic, as soon as they see a crack in the system that we don't know what's for dinner because <laughs> we haven't thought about it they're smart. Yeah. They want DoorDash or they yep. want pizza. So um, having that menu plan, even in times of flux, and I have to, I have to stick to that myself for the next couple of weeks. So um, another tip is to set an end date in the future for getting back to whatever routines and structure and food values that you are letting go of and setting aside. And just as a reminder that it's not forever, I don't think you have to be rigid about this, but like for me, for example, we're going to move in the middle of July. I know that there's going to be a couple weeks of craziness after that. And then it's going to take a while to get to know the new kitchen and the new shopping routines. But by the middle of August, beginning or middle of August, you know, I'd like to have some of those healthier meals back on the meal plan. I'd like to be mm. cooking more and not doing delivery. And so by, by setting that kind of date in my mind, I'm giving myself permission to be in flux for a while, but also just knowing that it's not going to last forever. Because I think like we talked about at the beginning of the show, if you're a newer mom, it can feel like you're letting go of all these standards that have been really important to you. And it can feel like, you know, what will I ever get back to normal? And you will. So like you talked about having that muscle memory that you do get back on track. And that's the same with fitness or screen time rules or sleep or whatever, whatever you've lost track of. Um, so if it helps to just to kind of set a date mentally or on the calendar of like, okay, by then we will be back to our healthy routines and this isn't going to last forever. Well, just like anything else, any, anything that you do that deviates from your perfect ideal, which for, you know, most of us is every single day, but like, you know, anything you do that clearly does not meet the mark, um, the standard of where you want to be most of the time, it is so much better in my opinion to just declare it so yes, like you meant it instead of sliding into inertia because that's depressing. Yes. And then you get down on yourself and then you feel like you'll never get back on track. So if you just say, this is what I'm doing and like own it, then it's easier somehow to get past it than if you just feel like you're failing. Yes. And sliding. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Well, here's a tip that is actually working for my family right now. Um, And that is even as you go toward pizza and takeout and, you know, microwave convenience stuff, keep buying fresh fruit and veggies that your kids like and keep putting them out and keep cutting them up. And this really helps. It helps with my mom guilt, which is just about me, not Mm. them. It, of course, helps them to continue to eat fresh fruits and veggies. And um, it can feel like a little extra work, especially if you have slid into that inertia. And like like you said, like. I, I don't have to cook dinner every night. Technically, like I, I could, but right. I don't have to. If you are in that phase, then cutting up some strawberries or washing an apple and cutting it up or, you know, cutting up some carrots and putting hummus out can feel like a lot of work. But um, my kids are they will eat it more if I prep it 
put it out in front of them. And what I do now is I put it out while I'm prepping a breakfast or a lunch. So I put it out before they get any other food. And I don't say like, you can't have your sandwich till you eat this fruit. I just, I don't say anything. I just put out the grapes and the strawberries and the carrots and they're sitting there and they're waiting for their lunch, but they're actually eating fresh fruits and veggies. So that's working really well for us right now. And also, I mean, I've, I try to make it really easy for my kids. If they want, nobody wants the peel cut off an apple anymore, but they used to. I used to peel the apples for them. I have been known to take grapes off the stems because they will sit there and eat grapes, but they won't if they look, you know, when they start to look kind of raggedy toward the end and yes, it's more, yep. more stem than grape and they won't touch them. But if I just take a couple of minutes and I know it sounds like I'm coddling or something, but really what I'm trying to do is make it invisibly easy for them to consume fresh fruits and veggies. And then I just feel like, okay, that, that piece is taken care of what happens the rest of the meals, you know? Oh, well. So I do the same thing with like strawberries. So I'll go through and just cherry pick the ones that look good. And it's just the, the taking the extra step to pull out the ones that are getting a little mushy or like are totally not ripe. Um, and right now is a great time for strawberries here, Yeah, but they get, you know, they're like so ripe and so great that sometimes they've just gone a little too far yep. and just having them like in a bowl, it's like making it attractive. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah. You're not doing the, it's not like you have to do the work for them. It's just like, if they don't like the way it looks, especially if they're little, like the smaller they are, the more they eat with their eyes, yeah. right? Because they, they don't have the experience to tell them yet that they can pick through it yeah. and, yeah, that's and get so the true. good stuff out. You know, another thing that yeah. will, will exponentially increase the number of carrots that my kids eat is we just buy the baby <laughs> carrots in the bag. So they're like yes. that round shape. For some reason, if I cut those in half, so it's like a half circle instead of the whole, they will eat them more. I don't know if it's just too big a bite and my kids still have loose teeth and all of that, but it's, yeah, they will, I could see that they will eat it more and they'll dip it in ranch and hummus. And so yeah. it's those little things that maybe, and then for me putting it out when they, they have no other options and you know, the chips mm-hmm. aren't out yet and the sandwiches aren't ready yet and they will sit there and eat. So that's, that's it. Yeah. I think those my are... kids will do the same with cucumbers. If oh, I yeah. cut them up in like little slices and the, the, they walk by and they just grab them and yeah. pop them in their mouths. I'm like, I, you know, but they would never cut up a cucumber. Exactly. Just wouldn't happen. Exactly. So yeah. Well, I think those are all of my tips that I'm going to be incorporating into my own life the next couple of weeks. So what else, what else have we not covered? Well, I love it. Well, mine, and I feel like I talk about, like I'm a broken record. I talk about this all the time, but it, it just bears repeating to have a few staple meals you can return to again and again. And if you're not an experienced cook, this could be literally two. You could be, you could have two meals that you just know you can pull out. You don't have to think about it. There's no learning curve involved. You don't have to get out a recipe and then you can add on. And one of the first, I remember actually learning how to do, um, as a very young mom, as I learned how to make really good black beans, but just mm. from a can, I didn't, I wasn't even doing them like, you know, soaking them overnight, just literally learning how to season black beans. So they tasted good was like a huge win because you could put them in everything. Yeah. And even if that means you're having black bean tacos, nachos, and whatever, like several times a week, that's a pretty healthy meal and you can add to it and make it healthier and healthier. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like having those few staples. So this has obviously changed a lot for me over the years. It changes by season and my kids' preferences. Um, but a few that come to mind would be um, pasta sauce and garlic bread. Like that is the easiest thing. You can have the pasta and sauce in the pantry and the garlic bread in the freezer. I usually add some kind of fresh meat, like sausage or ground beef or turkey, and mm-hmm. sometimes veggies to, to the canned sauce. It just makes me feel like I'm doing something. Yep. But you can totally skip that part. And I was also in a phase of life where I would just throw um, like pre-boiled uh, ziti noodles. Mm-hmm. Are they ziti noodles? Is that yeah, what they're called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a in a yeah. And I didn't follow a recipe. I literally 
poured it into a casserole dish, mixed it up with some sauce and put cheese over the top and put it in the oven. Like that was a staple for us for a long time. So there's lots of ways to make that, you know, it feels like such a gimme, but it counts. Yeah. Um, Another one that we do a lot is just, we brown up some ground beef and I throw in, uh, in a skillet and I throw in peas and those diced potatoes that you can buy in the bag. Oh yeah. Um, I think simply potatoes is the brand they're, they're pre-seasoned and they're just literally, it's like a one pot meal and the kids love it. So do they just, so I'm not complaining it like with a fork, just like a spoon. It's a spoon. Well, some okay. of them actually do prefer it with a fork now that I think about it, but yeah. So like I would, um, the potatoes like have to be, have to cook longer than anything yeah. else. So sometimes I'll do them in two skillets. And then the peas are just frozen. I usually um, thaw them in the microwave before I throw them in. But I have literally before just thrown everything in a pot and cooked yeah. it slowly. Yeah. And you know, then the potatoes don't get, they don't yeah, get as nice and crispy. Yeah, because the potatoes are kind of your yeah. base. I was thinking, is there a base, like a yeah, rice? But I they forgot need the to potatoes be, are the base. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And they need, like, for it to be ideal, I would cook those on high, like on high heat with oil to get them nice and crunchy and browned. Uh-huh. That just takes more time. And sometimes I just do it like the super easy way yeah. and nobody seems to complain. Um, chili is seriously just dumping cans of stuff into a pot <laughs> and maybe a package of meat. And then you turn the stove on and it doesn't really matter what you put in there. You can put any kind of beans yep. you can put, you can put, I mean, a recipe might call for, you know, like, um, a certain kind of tomato, but you can use the other kind of tomato. Yep. Like if all you have is stewed and it calls for, uh, diced or yep. if all you have is tomato paste and it calls for sauce, like whatever you can make, you can totally make that work. Just mess with it until yep. it looks good. Um, the pulled pork I've talked about a million times is the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. We have that, uh, linked up. We have the full oh, recipe yes. actually on our blog. So I will link that up in the show notes. Okay. Um, another thing I've been making a lot of recently since Owen asked me to add it to the rotation are salmon or tuna cakes. You can mm. make those with canned or frozen salmon or tuna. They're really, really easy. I've made like low carb versions with coconut flour. They're just good and easy. And again, it almost doesn't matter like what, kind because of, basically what you need is the salmon or tuna and then egg to bind it. Yeah. And then something to make it taste crunchy and delicious. And yeah. so like the crunchy and delicious thing could be a variety of things. It could be regular bread crumbs. It could be, um, what are the ones that are Panko? Like the crispier crumbs. Panko crumbs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can use pork rinds. Like, there's lots of things mm, you can use in that. That all sounds so, really good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, aren't you hungry now? And then, can we just talk about tacos? Of like, course. Things, and I know you live in taco land, but I feel like there's this Midwestern idea that tacos are just like ground beef with the little packet of spice and cheese and that they're heavy, you yeah. know? And I, you, I often make just black bean with as much veggie as I can add, um, or shrimp or chicken or pork and, or beef or ground Turkey, like whatever they could, you can use corn tortillas or you can use flour tortillas. You can wrap them up in a cabbage leaf. Like there's a million ways you can serve a taco. Yep. They really never have to get boring and they don't have to be unhealthy either. So um, avocado, cabbage, tomatoes, peppers, Lettuce, any kind of lettuce. If you have a bag of salad that you can't seem to get to the bottom, like that mm-hmm. bag salad stuff that you haven't finished off, throw it on a taco. Yeah. It's really good. I For us, I'll just jump in real quick because um, we, you know, that's like probably the biggest crowd pleaser meal is ta- loosely called taco night. But what else also great about it is each person can adapt what they put in it and also like which yes. pieces, which elements 
come together. So Violet almost always makes nachos. Um, and so yep. she'll melt, you know, cheese with black beans and corn uh, over chips in the microwave. And so she's technically eating something totally different, but it's coming from the same batch of things. And tacos have been a great way for my older kids to try new flavors too, um, because yes. they've, they've gotten more spice tolerant. So they'll try a hot sauce or a salsa. They might try like Allegra didn't like anything green and now she really likes cilantro. So yes, I mean, all here for all the tacos. I have in my house, these little bowls that I bought at TJ Maxx. And when I got them, I was like, what am I going to use these tiny little bowls for? They're just really cute. And I liked them and they matched the plates I got. Mm-hmm. And now I love, love, love like on taco night or whatever, just putting something in each of them and putting them out. They look so cute and you can have salsa in one and like a different cheese, like maybe real Mexican cheese in one. And then, um, guacamole in one and some kind of sauce or some kind of vegetable that you wouldn't expect the kids to actually want to try. And again, if you put them out in a cute little container, it's almost like it just invites. Yeah. The kids and to it's try so it. colorful and, it, and easy. yeah, yeah. Um, pickled onion. I, I didn't realize that you can pickle red onions really fast. Like it doesn't take a long time. Okay. So you can soak um, really thinly sliced red onions in lime juice for not very long and have pickled onions. And we were surprised that one of our kids really liked pickled onions. So yeah, agreed. I yeah. guess now we're getting into fancy tacos when, you know, you can also just put out tortillas, cheese, chips, beans, you and can. meat and call it a night. If you're in a season of flux, I think that the important thing to keep in mind is that once you've made quote unquote fancy tacos, once you'll realize they're basically the same as making the not fancy tacos. So it's like you you add to your arsenal and you don't have to do it all at once. But at some point, if you're right now, you're going, gosh, for me, tacos really is like, really is just, it's just beans or beef, cheese in a shell. You know, in two years you could be going, I also now can do easily do shrimp and pork and like all these things. And it's not harder. And I think it's just slowly, slowly adding. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I have just a couple more quick tips. Um, One is to rely heavily on food that can turn into lots of leftovers. Mm -hmm. And bonus, if those are leftovers, people can grab whenever. Mm -hmm. If you're in a season where people are coming and going at random times. And pretty much everything I mentioned above, those almost always fall under that header. And sometimes it means I might make up a big stack of like salmon cakes and I have them out. And this is just a day when like maybe two of us are going to sit down to eat or three of us together. But then I know someone's coming in in half an hour and I've got them out and I've got a little saucer. I've got some tartar sauce or I've got something easy for them to grab. And I've literally sat at my um, kitchen island before talking to a teenager who's standing there just like shoving that food in their face. And that time, you know, what looks like family dinner changes (laughs) as your kids get older. And that moment has value too. And so I don't want to like write that off. Um, and often sometimes it's just me, like I'm the only one left in the kitchen. And so I get to have a moment with an older kid and that feels really good. Um, and I will say that all of this is easier if you use your freezer. I am not a freezer meal person at all. So in in that I don't make things and put them back in my freezer with the intention of taking them back out later and heating them up. That's just never been the way I do things. Although I know people do love freezer meals. It's never been my thing, but I am really big on laying in a nice supply of stuff in your freezer. So frozen ground beef and sausage, chicken mm-hmm. breasts, shrimp, and salmon can all be thawed on the same day. Yep. So if you forget to plan ahead, they can all be taken out and you've got dinner. Um, and they're all staples of either easy homemade meals, or you can use them to accentuate like boxed, canned, yeah. and jarred stuff. What did Sandra Lee call that? Semi, semi-homemade homemade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or like Frozen veggie, um, veggies, which can be just as healthy as fresh, depending on, you know, where you live and, and how fresh the 
produce you're getting actually mm-hmm. actually is. So it's just good. I like to just keep it in my freezer where I can see clearly where everything is. And sometimes I just go freezer shopping. Yeah. And I try idea. not to let the thawing process get in the way because it really is much easier than you might be thinking. Well, and I'll just come back to the meal planning is important even in seasons of flux, even when your cooking isn't elevated or fancy, um, because it can help you use those things in your freezer and thaw things yes. in time. And, you know, so the, the plan remains essential, even if the meals are, you know, simple and quick and all of, all of that. So. Yeah. And it helps to look and dig around in your freezer so you don't forget stuff is in there because if you forget it's in there, then you throw it away and then you're mad because you wasted money and food. Do you want a sad story before we end when we were? I don't know. Do you want to end on a sad note? Well, it's maybe. Yeah. Tell me the story and then maybe I'll be able to bring it back around. (laughs) Well, we were away from our Orange County house in Santa Barbara for two weeks and our house is showing because it's for sale. And we think someone must have tested the garage freezer like to see if it worked or something and didn't close it all the way. So when Brian got home, um, there was an entire freezer full of really good meat because we do we order from ButcherBox. So it's like our meat for the month and it was ruined all of it. Isn't that sad? Can I tell that is very, very, very but here's sad. A, here's the good news. We thought the freezer was broken. Like we thought it had oh. just died. And after he cleaned everything out and, you know, it, he reevaluated, he's like, no, it works fine. So it somehow didn't get closed and might have been one of us. But we, we kind of think it was maybe when someone was looking at the house. I don't know why they would have been opening our garage freezer drawer, but they did. And so at least it still works. It is functioning, but it uh, we lost a lot of meat. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny freezer yeah. story to like balance that out? So a couple weeks ago. I usually drink my LaCroix room temperature because uh-huh. I'm a weirdo. Um, but every now and then, especially on a really hot day, I like to have a cold one. And I hadn't put any of my LaCroix in the fridge, so I didn't have any. And so I threw <laughs> a lime LaCroix in the freezer uh-huh. and I put it like right on the edge of the ice, like right where the ice, you know, with the collecting, yeah. the ice collects before it comes mm-hmm. out the dispenser. I put it like kind of like balanced on the edge there. And then, you know, a couple hours go by. I'm sitting here working in the kitchen. All of a sudden I hear this huge bang. And I didn't figure out what it was. I'm looking around like, oh, I wonder what that was. I thought it was a cookie sheet in the oven. Uh-huh. I had the um, some veggies on a cookie sheet. And I thought sometimes when it gets yes, really it, hot, it like pop. yeah. pops. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, that was weird. And the dog and I are both looking around. And then a couple hours later, I opened. I open oh my the gosh. freezer and there's just like the shards of like a, like a ripped in half metal LaCroix can. And I'm like, well, it's just LaCroix. I'm just going to leave it because the only thing we use ice for is drinks. Uh-huh. And it was like lime LaCroix. And I thought, yeah. well, that'll taste fine in anything. It's just LaCroix. I don't want to empty out the whole thing. So like the next day, um, my brother was sitting on my deck and I made him a drink and brought it to him. He's like, this tastes weird. And I totally played it off. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. so funny. So now I feel like I probably should just t- melt all the ice and clean it out. Oh, that's a, a pain. That's a pain. I mean, lime LaCroix. I may- think my ice personally tastes better. Yeah. Because it's got lime LaCroix. And eventually it. it won't. I mean, eventually it will all cycle out, right? Go away. And then it'll be yep, normal exactly. ice. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> Um, well, I am hungry now, officially. Um, so this was really fun. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And hey, just a heads up that I have a really great interview this coming Friday with Dr. Erin Lamphier. She's a child psychologist who's actually been on the show before. And we're talking about some of the behavioral stuff that kids are dealing with as the pandemic goes on longer. And as we look ahead to fall, things that have come up in our Facebook group, Megan, like regression and clinginess and sleep issues. Um, So I just really wanted to get a, a professional, a child psychologist 
on the line and talk to her. And it's a really good conversation. So I'm looking forward to sharing that on Friday and definitely give it a listen. Yeah, a lot of us are starting to find out now what what school may or may not look like in the fall. And so this is definitely on my mind. So I'm looking forward to that episode. Look for it this Friday and we will talk to you all soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mama or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.